0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder, back with me is Jacob Resnick. A lot happening this week, so uh, we're gonna try and get off, get to everything. Jacob, how's it going, my man? Doing
1: well on this lovely snowy Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, well, snowy at least here in the Northeast. But I'm um, feeling feeling the heat. Spring training coming uh, around the corner. Uh, still a lot we. We don't know about, uh, you know, the, the DH, things like that. Are the Mets going to sign more players? They signed one today or, or agreed to sign one. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but it's happening. It's, uh, it's almost
0: here. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, boy, can we use it on many different levels. But, uh, like I said, it's been a while since we've been back. Um, I guess very quickly we're going to touch on Mickey Calloway still having a job in Anaheim, which makes no sense to us. Um, You know, the whole Jared Porter mess, Uh, the Mets acted swiftly. Uh, They had, looks like they had all of the uh, the evidence they needed. In this case, it looks like the Angels have all they need. And, uh, you know, Callaway remains uh, employed by the club, which is just uh, baffling. But um, it kind of speaks to the organization. Um, You know, I don't want to put too much on Sandy, but, you know, hiring the quote unquote worst kept secret in baseball. Um, in Callaway, uh, certainly, is not good on his. On, it's not. It's a demerit on him for sure. And then with Jared Porter, um, you know, it just speaks to the the fatal flaw in whether it's this organization or more likely on a larger scale, um, league wide or even sports wide. Or you know, this is very very widespread. That's the, the easiest way to put it. Um, there's just a fatal flaw in the process. Uh, hopefully this is kind of the the impetus to change, but we'll have to see. Um We agree like he's got to go, right? There's no way he keeps his job.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh it's just a very ugly situation um for for major league baseball, for um the teams that have employed him, uh for sports in general and and for uh, society, um, that we have this system in place that allows, um, you know, men in positions of power to take advantage of just people trying to do their freaking jobs. Um, you know, it's so, so frustrating, um, as someone, you know, watching that, uh, unfold uh, and, and come to come to light now twice uh, in the last couple of weeks, and that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. I'm sure uh, with how often stuff like this goes on uh, in, in Major League Baseball, and like I just said, in in uh, in the world, in any uh, line of work, um, it's just uh, yeah. I, I really don't have anything else to say because you know it, it's just it's just it, it it makes me angry and you know not being able to uh you know not being able to uh, i don't hold on pause scratch that turn around um just <laughs> just uh it, it's just it's just frustrating and um i I hope that the uh the goodness in certain people will uh shine through we'll be able to weed weed these people out of of the sport um because there's just Absolutely no place in uh, in the sport in uh, in the business of sports for uh, anyone to feel unsafe or uncomfortable doing their jobs. It's just it's just sickening.
0: Oh, it's 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 disturbing. You know, it, it, just in the sports industry in general. I mean, you have such terrific women journalists. Um, you know, Disha Thosar from the Daily News, Lindsay Adler from the Athletic. I mean, these are just two that come to mind. But you know, these are for. For smart sports fans, these are go-tos. And, you know, like you said, positions of power. And that goes across so many different spectrums. And you're always going to find it. You know, I have two daughters. I have a daughter who's 16. I have a daughter who's 10. That 16-year-old's going to be in the workforce in a matter of years. Like, that's just, excuse my language, it's fucking terrifying. Um, Yeah, you just got to hope this is the catalyst for, for change. You would hope. Because, you know, you speak to women who are in sports and everyone has a story and it's just terrible. It's it's awful. It's it, it must change. It has to change. Um, yeah, you just have to hope that this is going to be the the kick in the ass it needs, I guess. I, I really don't know. Um, very briefly, and I'm just going to, you know, just because it just popped in my head. Uh, many, many of you guys are familiar with Claire Smith. She was a sports writer, a baseball writer. Uh, for the New York uh, Times for, for many years. Uh, she covered the Yankees for the Hartford Current for many years. Um, earlier this week, we heard that the Hall of Fame would be removing J.A. Taylor Spink's name uh, from the uh, the J.A. Taylor Spink Award, which is uh, awarded to a baseball journalist who shows meritous contributions to, to the game. Miss um, Smith won this award back in 2017. Uh, she was the uh, first female and fourth uh, black journalist uh, baseball writer to win the award. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard, you can look it up. There's actually a terrific, um, I guess, look back on it from the current, I believe it's last year. But uh, when Miss Smith was covering the 1984 World Series, the San Diego Padres infamously at the time had her removed from the dugout because that was, uh, I guess, a National League rule. But, you know, in the American League, Journalists could do their job. In the National League, uh, they could pretty much play by their own rules. And it was a clubhouse by clubhouse thing. And in the World Series, they had her physically removed from the clubhouse. Steve Garvey, the Padres' first baseman at the time, was nice enough to go outside and, you know, they finished his, uh, let, let Miss Smith do her work. But, you know, that type of story and that type of battle, um, you know, this is just my rallying cry, but I think the name should be, the, the award should be renamed in her honor. I really do. And I know that there have been terrific and and trailblazing journalists before Miss Smith. But uh, I just felt I kind of had to say that. And I think that could really be a push in the right direction for the folks who maybe are, you know, <laughs> inexplicably haven't accepted women sports writers as really part of the club, which at this point, how could you not? I mean, even for me growing up, you look back at like Johnette Howard, who was in the new, who was in Newsday. You know, for years, she was outstanding. Christy Ackert, outstanding. Like, you know, there's a lot of if people are willing to open their eyes, they're going to see like, hey, everyone's putting out the same contributions. And, you know, some of these women writers are better than half the men writers I read. So, you know, and that all starts with the trailblazers. And I think Miss Smith is one of them. And it should be the Claire Smith Award that should be given out every year. That's just my uh, my humble opinion. And I wanted to stick that in.
1: Yeah, I mean listen, I think anything that celebrates and promotes diversity in the sport is uh you know, only helps this this situation and the 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 culture of, of or the stereotypical, you know, white uh male dominated industry um you know, as a black female journalist who broke down barriers and was such an inspiration for um so many Women who now cover uh, the game and do it, uh, like you said, much better than uh, you know, plenty of men could ever dream to. Um, it, it's just something that needs to be, uh, like I said, celebrated, um, put out there, and um, you know, hopefully, one day we'll we'll get to the point where uh, no one no one bats an eyelash at, at any of these things because it's so commonplace, and uh, really think that. Little steps like that are, uh, you know, a step in
0: the right direction. Exactly. Like the little girls who read, you know, sports articles now and say, I want to do that. Like what kind of message is that sending where this type is, you know, this type of stuff comes out every month. It's just, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a stain on the game and you have to hope that, uh, things move forward. And speaking of moving forward, uh, I hate to cut that conversation off. It's an important one, but, uh, Hey, Super Bowl starts soon. We're going to get moving. <laughs> um, back to the New York Mets. The Mets, quote unquote, missed out on Trevor Bauer, however you want to put that. Reports say that they had the most money out there, but uh, he went and picked Los Angeles. You know, I think we've been saying, uh, at least I've been saying from the start, he's not, you know, it's arguable he was worth the $30, 35000000 per year that he was looking for, but... I don't see any problem with uh not signing Trevor Bauer for 45 and 40 million dollars per year respectively over the next two seasons. I, I just I think that's a a good thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean listen, I, I the second I saw the back pages today in uh in New York one of them said dodge the bullet. Um listen, I I I would not have uh been frustrated if they added a pitcher like trevor bauer to the team i would certainly be frustrated if they paid trevor bauer 40 to 45 million dollars a year to be uh you know second fiddle to jacob de if not third fiddle to jacob Degrom and carlos carrasco um this team has plenty of holes that they still need to fill and not one of them was, you know, above average really good starting pitcher. So, um certainly slept very well that night when uh, Bauer said he was going to the Dodgers, uh made a big deal about it, uh got everyone uh refreshing his website and checking uh, to see what signed hat he was going to post next. <laughs> um and you know, made us sit through a two-minute YouTube video to to figure out where he was going, and uh, I, I closed I closed the the video after that. Unfollowed him, unfollowed his agent, uh, unsubscribed from his YouTube channel, and I'm uh, sleeping sleeping pretty well now. So
0: uh yeah.
1: no, no issues I, at all.
0: Exactly. Just keep on moving forward. But I'm not going to lie; I was very entertained by the whole process. Maybe because like I wasn't wrapped up in it. Like, oh my god, I want Trevor Bauer because. You know, to be honest, I was indifferent. If they really were going to sign him, you know, it's out of our hands anyway. So, um, you know, there's more that comes along with that, which I'll touch on very, very briefly. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I was indifferent. and to, I was sitting back watching it. It was very entertaining. Like, oh, my God, he's trolling everybody. And then you think back and, like, oh, well, what about Nightingale? What was that about? You know, uh, of course, anybody who didn't see it, um, uh journalists, confirm that the Mets got him you know this is Thursday night and um set Twitter on fire and it turns out that that wasn't uh accurate and of course things came to a head uh on uh Friday but yeah just um yeah unreal what a what a, what a situation uh he he turned it I said it on Twitter he turned this into his own d- the decision you know a la LeBron and that was uh you know it, it there's a lot to be said for it for career three point nine o e r a to have this much interest drawn around him after one good run of 11 starts i just you know the money aside that's just um i guess it's impressive but then you know you have so much other peripheral shit to look at <laughs> and you know I, I wrote about this and you know, i put it up on my medium page middle of the week uh you know there was pockets of the fan base who really were not thrilled that Trevor Bauer was, a, you know, waking up Friday morning with the Mets' favorites to land him. Just, they weren't happy with that. And there's a lot of reasons to go along with that. Um, after what we've seen this off season, the fan base who who are saying, hey, you know, things need to change. This wouldn't have been the most um, encouraging sign to that, to that section of the fan base. And um, it, it appears the Mets heard them because they didn't up their offer, but you know, having the the most valuable offer out there when you know there's loud pockets of the fan base who made their displeasure, you know, plainly heard, and um, I felt for those people. Waking up Friday morning when it looked like the Mets were going to sign them, I really felt bad. You know, I I, I felt you know, I, I felt I don't want to say betrayed, but um, a little baffled as to how they're not hearing these calls and how they were kind of a bit tone deaf in offering that much when there's so much negative stuff floating around the organization off the field, they don't need the extra distraction. It just, uh, uh, you know, it's a question that'll probably never be, it'll never be answered, but um, I'd like to know their, their thought process into that. But moving forward, like you said, there's a great foundation. Syndergaard's going to be back at some point. Uh, you still have to assume they're going to go out and add a starting pitcher before the before the uh, before spring training kicks in, whether that's Ohterizi, whether that's a, a James Paxton. I mean, they they have options. They might be looking to the trade market. We don't know. Um, they, like you said, they did go out and get Albert Almora this morning, and you know, contrary to some suggestions, uh, this is not going to be the Mets' everyday center fielder, but he certainly fills a role. Um, do you feel he's a fit?
1: I mean he's a fit in the way Jake Morisnick was a fit last year and <laughs> exactly. Keon Broxton was a fit the year before and Juan Lagares was a fit for, you know, however many years uh, I mean, you know, as long as he's not uh you know taking 20 25 at bats a week, uh I think he'll be fine. I mean, he's uh I mean, I I don't think we've seen the, the figure yet on the contract, but it can't be any more than, you know, a, a couple million. And uh, he does have a minor league option remaining, so it's not like he's locked on to the major league roster. Um, it was a little weird to see some people uh, suggest that uh, this is their move to solidify center field. Um, listen, if it's uh, Albert Almore is the the guy, I mean, just roll with dominant left and and. Brandon Nimmo in center field. I mean, it, it, Elmore is far from, you know, a must start guy. Um, his glove is, is playable and, and, you know, anywhere from playable to slightly above average, I wouldn't call it ridiculous. Um, and his bat is well below average. So um, it, it's, it's not a move that's going to uh, blow anyone away. I mean, it, I guess makes the team deeper. Um, depending on how how often he plays um but yeah i mean, this shouldn't really take them out of the running for jack Bradley jr we've seen some conflicting reports today whether uh they are moving on or or whether they're still in on him I think it's probably a little contingent on uh what happens with the d h uh, you know if it's if it does end up getting implemented for this season then uh they'd have a a much uh better shot at locking down Bradley Um, seems like he would want to come to New York. I think the report I read was that he had a zoom meeting with uh, the brass and that went well. Um, He just is pretty adamant on the years and uh, dollar value and uh, playing time that he wants out of a a contract. So um, yeah, I mean, to bring it back to Almora, I don't, I don't love the move, but it's not big enough for, for me to hate it anyway. So um, it's just kind of a a shoulder shrug type of move, you know?
0: Yeah, I think it was more of a depth move more than anything else. And and I think we could take it at face value that that's what it is. Um, I'm certainly interested to see how the Jackie Bradley thing moves forward. And of course, like you said, the DH is going to play a big part in that. I still truly believe the DH will be implemented and, of course, that makes the Mets roster so much more um, fluid and gives kind of a spot for everyone. And even J.D. Davis, who, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into him probably next episode, but uh, we could probably spend a solid 20 on J.D. alone. But, um, you know, with the D.H., is just so much more versatility, and that's all over the roster. And it's just such a strength and to be able to match up correctly. And, you know, as far as Almora, you know, like you said, he's a, he's a let's say, average to, to slightly above average. He had one really, really good year in center field. I think it was 2018, uh, finished with plus 10 outs above average per stat cast, and, you know, that's, that's impressive, but um, hasn't really put up those numbers since. And I believe it's when he left, uh, uh, what was it, 2018 was probably his banner year uh, on the offensive side, and it just really hasn't been the same since. Maybe reuniting with Chili Davis, who he was with in Chicago, could uh, could help that process out. We should see, but uh, I wouldn't count on him to be the center fielder, the starting center fielder, unless things go uh, terribly awry. Now, you know, if this if they're waiting out the Jackie Bradley thing to kind of coincide with the DH decision, let's say there is no DH. Let's say we're going back to traditional National League baseball next year. Are, are you comfortable with Tom Smith as the team's left fielder on a? fairly regular basis? I am. But I'm really curious to see how you feel. Yeah, I mean... Comfortable? No. I mean,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Anytime a ball uh, gets hit in that general direction, uh, I'd certainly uh, brace myself uh, for what would uh, happen next. Um, But... Listen, he can stand out there, he can catch a fly ball. Is he going to make uh, you know, the consistent tough play? No. Is, does he have a great arm out there? No. Um would he benefit from uh and I think this was Ron Darling who made this point on the uh SNY beyond the booth uh live stream said, you know, if I'm the Mets and, and Dom is out there, you, you tell him to Play as close to the warning track as possible, and tell Francisco Lindor that any shallow pop up in left field uh, that you got to go out there and and get it because uh, you just don't want Dom uh, having to run back at all because that's you know one of the most difficult plays uh, for an inexperienced outfielder is uh, you know turning and sprinting and, and having to feel for the, the warning track and the wall and all that stuff. So uh, to answer your question, no, I'm not comfortable with him specifically. <laughs> out there in left field but if that's the only way to get his bat in the lineup uh every day then you know it's it's something that you're just gonna have to live with um because the uh you know the two runs or the, the three runs just hypothetically speaking that he gives you with his bat compared to the one run he'll take away with the glove um I think you take that trade off so um, but who knows you know maybe he comes back down to earth next uh, this coming year and uh he's not really an everyday player and and we we really don't know uh cuz we don't have that long of uh, a sample size of him being uh you know a a top top bat in the in the lineup uh certainly you know pleased with what he showed last year but um you really never know um Obviously, you don't hope that he comes back down to earth, but in case he does, then, you know, you have a a, a bench bat. And and he has shown to be good in that role uh, as well. So, uh, and, you know, these things have a a way of figuring themselves out. Uh, Yeah. Kind of always feels that way. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, I'd be fine with him in left field for now. Great if he could play DH or... Or whatever, or if Alonzo could play DH and uh, Dom at first, but uh, in the end, it kind of it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, by the end of last season, Dom really didn't look half bad in left field. <laughs> I mean, you know, he had his moments, of course, but I, I mean, I could remember in particular. I wish I could remember the game, um, just the play that you were describing. How tough it is for an outfielder to kind of turn around and sprint back towards the wall. He did it and went like crashed into the wall and made the catch. I wish I could remember what game that was. Anyway, um, he certainly looked a lot more comfortable out there. I'm comfortable enough. I think it's a net positive with him out there, especially with his bat in the lineup. And the way the roster's been constructed, if that doesn't change or if he does hit a, a prolonged slump, you know, there's enough versatility and there's enough depth on the roster. You yeah, Hopefully there will be by the time camp breaks that, um, you know, they can absorb that hit. And that, you know, to their credit, they kind of, took the Van Wagenen regime's idea of versatility all over the field and really just solidified it. I mean, you still have guys like Luis Guillorme who could move around, and he's another guy that, you know, he certainly made progress, but you can't look at his last 200 plate appearances and say, oh, that's our guy. You know, he's done really well since he got recalled back in August of 2019. Um, Like, uh, just exceedingly well. But you can't put too much water into it, but he's a guy who's earned a spot. That's what I'm trying to say. And, you know, you move McNeil out to left field and put Guillaume at third or, you know, who knows? They might not even be done. They might be bringing in a third baseman. I mean, I you know, I haven't heard anything and you have to assume that the Mets have some sort of internal plan, but Chris Bryant's out there. Um, Eugenio Suarez in Cincinnati's out there. I mean, there's options. There could certainly be more reinforcements made. Um, it would just be tough finding, you know, at-bats for the guys who are who are kind of stuck uh, from the bench. But in that case, you just have the, the best bench in baseball. It's worked out pretty well for the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, and if the season started today with how everything's set up, uh, the bench is uh, a, a glaring uh, hole on this team. I mean, unless you uh, feel comfortable with, you know, Jose Martinez is uh, looks like he's has a spot now and Almora being the top outfield reserve and uh, Nito is Tomas Nito. I mean, he's been here for a while and uh, has looked good in spurts, but not over an extended period of time Uh, with the bat, even though he has a pretty good glove and uh, you know, Diorme is, is solid. Um, But again, uh, small sample size that we've, we've, we've seen him in. Um, you know, this team doesn't have the uh, like the, the Chris Taylor type where you can just kind of plug anywhere, uh, you know, or, or um, you know, the, the Max Muncy is that you can rotate in and out of the lineup uh, or the the Austin Barnes backup catcher. You know, I'm, I'm rattling off these depth guys on the Dodgers that are, uh, you know, above average at their positions uh, or their multiple positions, uh, but they're uh, second in line third third in line even uh, for certain positions on, on the Dodgers because they're just so so deep overall. Yeah, uh, but
0: as you rattle them off, you know, they're, they're all like such integral parts to that roster that, you know, it doesn't matter if they're the second or even third string in a position, they all serve a purpose. And I think that's kind of the sustainable success that Cohen was preaching in his presser when he introduced himself. That's what they want right. to build. like. Hey, oh, you know, take that next man up mentality and kind of just blow it out and say, guys, if we have a guy who's slumping its next man up, boom, put him right in. We don't miss a beat. Like, I love that. And of course, I think that's the ideal um, end product here.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, not not going to happen overnight. And you look at someone like Max Muncie, who I believe was a minor league free agent and Chris Taylor was picked up in a trade and uh You know, they've they've, uh, made these smart signings and drafted really well and developed these guys really well. It's a process. It's a years-long process. So, um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. And I think expecting the Mets to be better than the Dodgers this year in the National League is uh, not exactly uh, how things are are probably going to play out um, because the Dodgers have just been built uh, up to this point rather than, uh, you know, built uh at this point like the the Mets are are kind of trying to piece things together uh now rather than um kind of just throwing at everything that they've which you know is, is a little oversimplified because they've uh developed guys like Conforto and Alonso and Smith and McNeil and DeGrom you know et cetera, et cetera. but um the Dodgers have depth and they have depth that's not even on the 40-man roster because they don't have space for them and triple a and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's, it's tempting to kind of be like, you know, let, let's, let's, uh, just pour all of our chips in to, to win now. Um, I don't know if they're exactly ready to win now. I don't think they are. Uh, and, and in order to get to that point, um, they've got to really cement the, uh, the process that they, uh, are desiring to, uh, to build.
0: Oh, for sure, and I think it's going to be tailor made to their specific needs, and um, you know, I think safe to say we have faith in the process that they're kind of putting that into uh, into play. The analytical moves they've made, the um, uh, Ben Zosmer for the R and D department. I hope I got his name right. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you know, and taking him right out of the Dodgers organization, and that's a uh, you know a step in the right direction. Um and again feeding this information from the front office to the players, that's that's half the battle right there. And you have guys like Hafner and Ricardo and um Ricky Meinhold and you know, they'll do that on the pitching side and you know, from what we were hearing, Chili Dave was just trying to really embrace that whole analytical side of things so he could be a conduit and that's exciting and Yeah, I think it all it starts from the top. I take it back to Steve Cohen, who Steve, I hope we're listening to the show. We miss you on Twitter, pal, but we understand. <laughs> yeah absolutely but um I don't know I guess you know eh, the next two weeks are going to be very very interesting to see how things fill out but uh you know keep it locked on to Simply Amazing of course also boom I haven't even brought it up yet keep it you're locked bur- on to <laughs> burying the lead man <laughs> sorry
1: you said you're burying the lead
0: I right exactly I'm leaving it as the uh, the big closer guys we have a new site we um We, I, I, you know, on an absolute whim this week, uh, I said, fuck it, let's start a brand new Mets website. So we got that running. It's theapplenym.substack.com, but you can just find us on Twitter. It's theapplenym. Once we start getting uh, more content out, all I have out right now is just our email subscription, which, you know, everything we put up is, you shoot it right to your email, but we're also going to put it up on the site, we're going to put it up on social media. Uh, you find us every way that you would, but just to stay up to date on what's coming, we have some exclusives. Um, go ahead and log in or sign up for the email. It's free. We're only going to hit you with the basic uh, articles. That's it. And um, yeah, keep it locked there. We're going to be pushing out content this week, I hope. Uh, so it's the Apple uh, at the Apple NYM. That's on Twitter and the Apple NYM dot dot com or just Google the Apple NYM will come right up exciting man it is it's very exciting and again this was all you know just out of the blue like all right let's do it (laughs) so so we did it and it seemed like the most uh simple way because i am a, a developer i am not so uh this was a a nice easy way give some of our friends a platform um let me keep writing on a daily basis getting that stuff out there and and you know moving forward um Oh, Simply Amazing, by the way. It's on my little list here. Guys, next week, you might start hearing um, very brief ads. That just means that we're making a couple of bucks doing the show. Um, Nothing to be worried about. (laughs) But we are going to be... It's all going to be in the same place, of course. But we're going to be hosted by Megaphone now. Just a bit of a bigger platform. And, um, you know, hopefully this leads to a... I guess a wider spectrum of what we bring. There might be some video... Big moves. I don't want to give away too much, but big moves in the future. What's cooking on your end, Jacob? What do you got going on?
1: Oh man. Uh, well, first of all, I'm back at at school for the the semester for the spring semester, so uh, everything's in full swing here. Uh, a lot of Quinnipiac sports that I'm uh, you know starting to to ramp up our coverage again. It's great to be back in in person after uh, being home for the winter break, and um, you know have a couple things perhaps lined up for my uh, my next spot to be you know writing and, and talking about the Mets and uh, just excited for uh, what what the future holds because uh, onward onward and upwards is, is what we're, we're saying to each other uh, behind the scenes uh, and I think you know it's good to, to keep a positive and, and uh, you know good perspective on, on where things are headed.
0: Yeah man, the the train does not stop. That's that's just that's the outlook I've had and you know, there's only one way, one way to go. That's up. You know, we have all the momentum in the world. Let's uh let's go do big beautiful things. Absolutely. All right. Well guys, um I got a nice little interview lined up for early this week. Uh please keep an ear out or eye out for that. I'll probably do it in print and in uh on the pod. And um yeah. Lots of new content coming out. Remember to go and sign up for the uh, email subscription. And uh, yeah, big news. Exciting Exciting times.